everybody. Welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and I am joined by Dr. Mark Wiseman of the Alaskan Ulf Hefnar and podcast. I, I always butcher it. I even wrote it down how to pronounce it, and I still, I think, got it wrong. But uh, yes, he is here to join me to talk all about Norse paganism and some really cool work that he's doing with our veterans. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pagan. It's an honor to spend some time with you and your listeners and talking about some of these beliefs. Well, let's just jump right in. How did you get started working with the Norse beliefs? That was actually a long journey that I've taken, um, which involved my ancestry and learning. Um, I actually went through the monotheistic church. I was actually ordained in the um, uh, Presbyterian church. Um, I spent uh, about nine years as a chaplain in the field. And uh, what I found while I, during those practices was that something just didn't feel right. It, mm -hmm. it was, there was just something that I couldn't put my finger on. Um, I spent a lot of time in prayer. I spent a lot of time uh, in meditation, trying to figure out what was missing right about that uh, critical time in my life, my, my mother who, um, came along and wanted me to do some ancestral, um, work, some genealogy, mm -hmm. uh, for her. And that led me on a path that, uh, would, would wind up ultimately accepting Woden as my guiding light and, uh, coming to know the Lanvetti and working with them to, uh, fully develop, um, what I've now learned has been a lifetime of learning how to become a spiritual person. That is a wonderful journey, kind of similar to my own. I, I also started out on a Christian path and then ended up just not in a comfortable place with Christianity and started branching out and ended up here <laughs> being uh, a, a full uh, Norse pagan and you know we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about the term pagan which I think we'll jump into here in just a moment but yeah that that's where I ended up yeah and and the, ultimately the, your whole idea one's one's whole concept of a theology boils down to two bullet points the first bullet point is that it feels right in your heart so you can say it you can you can read about it you can you can do all the things about it and just feel good about it. You feel comfortable. It, it feels like a, a warm robe, right? Mm -hmm. But more, more importantly, or just as importantly, is this idea that it makes sense. It, it fills in the pieces in what we understand to be our reality. We, we kind of, we can put and we say, oh, you know, I feel like I'm speaking with multiple sources, um, you know, when, when I'm communicating my prayers or my spells. And there are multiple entities. I feel that there are multiple. It makes sense. Yes, absolutely. There's more than one person who can help me out here. So those two things, making sense and feeling right, are what technically define or should, should define our personal theology. So whatever that looks like to the exterior world is really irrelevant. What's, what's relevant is that it feels right to you and it makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. 
because you are uh, amazingly unique. Uh, every every person on the planet who has ever lived and will ever live is so unique. By the time you get through measuring the genetics and the chemistry alone in your body, you are entirely different from even twins are different in that the way the emotions attached to the DNA and can actually alter your body's DNA to technically make you a different person. Um, and we see this quite often, um, your conversation to introduce the show about working with veterans, mm -hmm. is that we see this quite frequently where we get this chemical overload into the brain and it alters, essentially, it alters their DNA right. to now to now release hormones into the bloodstream, causing different emotions. And then, of course, there's the confusion as to what is this emotion, and that's, that's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> my point is, is that you can get to where you, from a fundamental, foundational level, you change who you are. And that's, that's very powerful knowledge as far as science goes. That's actually a very powerful message, period, just, you know, between science and um, spirituality, which to me, science and spirituality walk a fine line with each other. And so it's one of those things that no matter what we do in life, I think that humans are actually wholeheartedly spiritual beings. And science is now coming around to actually back that up, which is really right. super cool <laughs> if it, somebody it, it who's really, really into science uh and spirituality <laughs> like you would probably be nerding out i i know i nerd out every time i see something about it so i think it's really awesome now before we uh, jumped into the podcast with each other we were talking about the term pagan and why we might want to start stepping away from that term do you want to kind of elaborate mm -hmm. a little bit on that? Because <laughs> I think that it was really fascinating when you were telling me about it. And I was like, oh, we've never talked about this. We need to talk about this. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. And and it, it's very interesting because a lot of people uh, use that term um, kind of openly. And it's kind of been accepted as this is what it is. When in fact, the term, particularly the term heathen and pagan has its own roots but has nothing to do with spirituality at all. Heathen is uh, a very old term, which simply means gardener. Uh, that's what it means. Um, so to be a heathen is to take care of the hearth or the garden, hence the term. Um, and so um, that those terms were defined by the early Christian church, uh, particularly in Europe, that defined anyone outside of their little world, their little Mm -hmm. group, if you will. Um, the word pagan is the same thing. Pagan has nothing to do with spirituality, yet it was a term assigned by the Christian church, which meant that you practiced, and and paganistic was more, um, there was a practice involved. So you consider where the terms first started appearing in uh, early uh, Roman writings, where you see Celtic Druids, Mm -hmm. who were classified as pagan. You see um, the Vikings, uh, the Norse, were classified as pagan. And, and that term transfers 
to every society that you see throughout history that didn't fall into the fold. So it, it applied to um, the, na- the indigenous Native Americans, it applied to the indigenous Aboriginal people. You, you pick a culture and they were pagan because they weren't Christian. Not because they were pagan, but because they weren't Christian. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about those terms, that's kind of where I tend to go with it. Um, I know a lot of people refer to me and they go, oh, you're a pagan. And I go, no, no, I'm not. I'm Celtic. I'm a Celtic Norse. And those are my beliefs. Um, I believe that, you know, those things that the Celtic Norse professed make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if I get the conversation with a uh, theologian of monotheism, that's the first thing they're going to refer to me as is, is paganistic because I don't fit into the fold. Right. So that's a very interesting thing. And it kind of really bodes the question of if we're not using the terms pagan or even heathen, especially, you know, in the Norse circles, what should we use instead? Should we use just Norse? Should we use um, for those who practice uh, like Seder, um, you know, the term uh, vulva or anything like that, uh, that that really kind of begs that question of what terminology should we be using that's true to us? Well, it, if, if you've done a, any amount of study, um, and I know you have, mm-hmm. but others, uh, <laughs> when we look back in history, your spiritual beliefs were typically culturally based. Okay. So we find, uh, as an example, um, my experience happens to be with the Celts who originally started kind of in the France, Spain area and expanded all the way through Europe, down into Italy and, and so on. We see their influence almost everywhere. When you stopped a a Celtic Druid out in the middle of nowhere doing his ritual thing, and you said, you know, what, what worship are you? What, what religion are you? Mm -hmm. He would tell you, I'm Celtic. That's it. He wouldn't go into, uh, I'm a magician from the paganistic, this, that, or the other (laughs) thing. He wouldn't, wouldn't say all that. He would simply say, I'm Celtic. Why? Because our religious or our spiritual interactions were based on cultural understandings. Typically, we see that they were really compartmentalized. Talk about the Germanic tribes that migrated north uh, away from Roman rule. Mm-hmm. And we can see where you have multitude of Celtic beliefs different practices if you will Mm -hmm. that all kind of pointed back to a celtic centralized belief right right the the sami people who were coming south that through norway were very they were different they had a very indigenous kind of mentality Mm -hmm. so those two cultures clashed not clashed combined Mm-hmm. to become to become what we know of is the Norse right and so um but to answer your question directly I think your spiritual beliefs are typically associated with your culture what culture do you choose to associate with and therein lies a question I get asked all the time about appropriating someone mm-hmm. else's culture well, think about the days, and, and we have to go back in time 
to the days of of pre uh, the, the current geological epoch before that, so BC. And you look at when people came to town, strangers came into town, they were evaluated, oh, are they honorable? Do they seem pleasant? Yada, yada, yada. And we kind of went through this checklist and they were accepted into their into the clan, into the mm-hmm. village, into the community, just based on, you know, their honor, courage, you know, those things, the societal benefits. There wasn't this, oh, you're you're not part of us. You're a stranger. Right. We're we're going to separate. That's not how it was. I mean, you think about uh, early uh, Norse settlers who were trying to run farms and trying to maintain livestock and and the 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 crops that they needed to survive the winter. They don't have time for those games. Right. I mean, we we got seeds to put in the ground. We have <laughs> you know stuff to till. We got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And then. You know, of course, in fall, same thing applied is, oh, okay, now we got to harvest all that and do something with it. So they didn't really have the time to to play the, you're technically not part of us, so you're different. You're an outcast. Right. They didn't have, and so that kind of lends itself to, to saying, oh, okay, so it's more of what culture do you feel the most comfortable with? What culture do you uh, appreciate the most? And then from that, that's where uh, your spirituality will begin to blossom, I believe. I think that's a fair kind of statement to say. And we're in a really interesting time right now where we're trying to figure out where the lines of culture begin and end. And I think that we're also in a time where, yes, there are still definitely culture lines, but at the same time, they're also blending with kind of a world culture. And <laughs> not to say that there, there is nothing that I am saying that is out there that is saying that your culture is not um, sacred or anything like that, if, especially if you are part of a indigenous group or a different kind of group. That's saying that your culture is definitely still sacred and it is still sacred to your people. So I would say kind of the, the rule of thumb that I go with when it comes to um, kind of explaining culture and culture appropriation to people that for me is uh, when you're looking at a culture that is sacred to a type of people, that's when you need to look about seeing if, you know, when it like, for instance, um, voodoo or uh hoodoo kind of cultures they want you to be indoctrinated they want you to be accepted and you have to go through some training with somebody who is already part of that community so it's one of those things that i think that um if you're going to that's where you feel comfortable take the appropriate steps to be a part of that um whereas like norse culture Norse culture is very open and accepting. We accepted love everyone. <laughs> exactly. Everybody is welcome. <laughs> we're, we're lovers and fighters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, and, and where I think a lot of people, and particularly modern day people, really get wrapped around the axle, if you will, is when we start talking the word religion mm-hmm. versus the word spirituality. Yes. What we see with religions is that we have a theology, 
the theology is a part of the religion. And then the lion's share of a, a religion is the practice. Mm-hmm. It's how we display it. How do we propagate it? How do we you know, get it out there and, and push it to people who may or may not want it? Um, that becomes the practice. And what we need to do from a spiritual perspective is to step away from that mm-hmm. and stop stop subscribing to a practice. So what I'm saying is I have a bunch of teachings. If you read my website and all of my podcasts and everything, I, I talk about spirituality. I talk about how we can experience but I don't say in any case, in anywhere, do I say, thou shalt do this. Thou mm-hmm. shalt behave this way. I don't say that. Why? Because as soon as I do, I'm crossing the line from a theology to a practice. Right. And that's where a lot of people, including some of, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who practice Vidal. Um uh, I think most Americans pronounce it voodoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and they practice Vidal and, and we talk and we talk and they say, oh yeah, you know, you got to go through this process. Now, why? Why? Well, that's the way it's always been done. Well, but that's not theology. That's practice. Now, if you want to be a practitioner and you want to, to, to go through those steps, you want to demonstrate your intent. Okay, that's great. But you should be offered that as a, as a potential, a possibility, mm-hmm. not as kind of a requirement to be a part of. So in my, and again, maybe it's the, the Norse part of me that says, okay, yeah, come on down. You can read all the information you want. You take away whatever you want. You learn whatever you want, but you can be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to force you to do this. I'm not going to force you to show up on Sunday. I'm not going to force <laughs> that that you fill the 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 plate as it gets passed around. I'm not going to do that because that's a practice. And practice is where I believe religion as a whole, spirituality as a whole, kind of fell off the tracks. Right. No, I, I completely see that. And it's, it's true when you, you get more caught up in the the practice of it and there's times that even in a lot of you know witchcraft practices where it's like oh you got to do the full moon practice every week or every month and you got to do this and you got to do that and it's like do you really no really yeah. <laughs> i don't there, know there how is... many full moons i have missed and how many new moons <laughs> i have missed and i have completely forgotten sabbats and plots and all the other things that i was supposed to participate in but I miss right. them because I'm human and human it's, it's, is being spiritual. In 20 years of channeling the Lanvetti, I have never met a referee who keeps score <laughs> of what I did. Never met, never seen a striped shirt in all of the spiritual realm that I traveled. Um, and that's exactly right. Again, it goes back to what you feel works Mm -hmm. and 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 you know i i i joke about it but quite honestly you know we talk about these lightning strikes that will happen in our lives where it just clicks yeah it just everything just 
yes, you, I've been missing this my whole life. That tells you that you've arrived. And that, that's your indicator that says, hmm, this is something that, that I believe in, that I can support. Mm-hmm. That, that's definitely exactly what it is. And I like the way that you phrase that where we have those lightning strikes. I'm like, hmm, we were just talking about Thor and here yes. he is. <laughs> yep. he's, he's the guy. He's going, to, he's going to drop the notification. So, that is very yep. true. <laughs> I may have to put like a little like notification symbol next to his candle now on my altar. <laughs> like, congratulations, you are now the god of notifications. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I yep. love it so much. So, M- M- Major is really just a, a a messenger that delivers the uh, uh, notification that yet yeah, you have arrived. Yes, yes, indeed. So. You have done a lot of work with veterans. You said that you were a chaplain. How has your beliefs gone to help you work with veterans, especially now that, you know, if they're stepping outside of the service and trying to step into civilian life? um, How does that help with that? One of the one of the practices that I've taken away from my spiritual studies is the stillness and, and learning how to still yourself and learning how to identify the emotional depth charges, I call them, um, that we put in our minds based on um, a per, either a perceived guilt or an assigned shame, whichever way um, you take it. Um, and these servicemen, uh, in many cases that I've dealt with, have had to reconcile uh, horrible acts of war against a monotheistic practice that told them that everything they just did was wrong and against society. Yet, had they not done those things, they wouldn't be here to, to talk mm-hmm. about it. So they had to do those things. They had to see those things. They, you know, they had to experience um, those things in their lives. And so what I do is take some of my spiritual training and help them to clear their minds of these preconceived emotional charges that are in their brain so that then we can now address these large traumas of seeing death and dismemberment and all those things that we see in war that that's contradictory to some of the other beliefs that they have in their mind and so what we have to do is essentially go in there and and kind of take out those depth charges by addressing them. And sometimes that's painful, Mm -hmm. but once we address them and we learn the lesson that's involved in that charge, it goes away. And what we find or what I find is that by removing those charges, I can free up enough bandwidth in their minds to then start helping them with coping steps, coping mechanisms, because we know coping mechanisms become behavior and behavior Mm -hmm. becomes personality. Right. So it's, that's, that's an evolution that just happens in the human mind. So we build these coping mechanisms that allows us to arrest any kind of triggering action, go back through and look at whatever's causing us to trigger, and then address that so that going forward now, that doesn't trigger us. Now we can slowly go through and address each of these emotional charges in the, in the mind. 
but a lot of them I found were were originally implanted. Some of them uh, so early that they don't even know, they don't even remember when they learned some of these practices that were installed by the monotheistic churches over time. And so just a matter of getting to those and, and understanding them, tackling them, getting them out of the way, learning the lesson and moving on. That's really valuable, especially because, you know, we have 20 years of veterans just from this war, um, from right. you know, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. And so by the time you get done with that, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of damage. And not only that, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I I don't have a problem with Jesus when it comes to Christianity. I think Jesus was a cool dude, and I really like Jesus. But I have a problem with Christianity and some of the doctrine that it teaches and forces upon people. So I want to say that before I say this next bit. As somebody who was raised Christian, I have what's called Christian PTSD. And I have had to work through a lot of trauma that was put into me by a religion that was supposed to be teaching me love and faith and goodness and all that but didn't it taught a lot of trauma which was really terrible I, but ultimately I, sorry for the dogs everyone my dogs might be going nuts here in a moment uh, but you know at that point in time as somebody who has to deal with that who's never gone to war I couldn't even begin to imagine what it would be like for somebody who had that and then had to deal with all the guilt and the shame and everything else that came out of basically doing your job, doing your right. job that you didn't really get a say in what you were supposed to do. Right. You just had to do your job and right. your job wasn't just be like, oh, hey, I'm not going to show up to work today because I don't want to go do this. It was either show up to work or die. Like that was kind of right. some of the places that some of these people were put. So. I really like that you are taking spirituality and helping people work through this. And well, without my own spirituality, I probably would not be okay. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, ultimately, and that's, that's the exact point. That's the exact point, Pegan, is that without your spirituality, you really, you can't function at all because our spirituality interacts with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days without rest. From the time you were conceived to the time you passed from the uh, physical plane to the spiritual realm and, and then even beyond that. Um, and what we have to do is we have to understand what the implications of that are. And the only way you're going to understand that is by having that clear mind and be able to properly interpret what your spiritual entities are communicating with you what is the mm -hmm. earth telling you what is what are the raw universal truths that you're being told that is just being polluted in all of this other belief and all this other practice we see um, that's been implanted in your mind since before you drew air mm -hmm. so because your your parents both spoke of it before you were born they may have believed it, in which case that information is passed to you as an unborn child. And then you start drawing air, you start mon manipulating your DNA, you start modifying your life moving forward. And you will find that a spirituality is at the center of everything else. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about 
um, you know, helping our, our, our veterans kind of get back on the right track, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that we are spiritual beings. Yes. We, we get that right. Get that out in the open up front. Even if you don't practice, even if you don't believe, even if you don't want it, it doesn't matter. That That's all irrelevant. What we need to understand is that we are spiritual beings and we need to solve that first. Mm-hmm. Once we solve that, the rest then begins to have a different value. And we see in many cases, I see just those big traumas that were affecting these individuals start melting away, just start melting away, not having as much value anymore, not being so contradictory. Now all of a sudden it's emotional charge that's attached to it begins to reduce. And now we can tackle it usually quite easily. And that's kind of how I have always applied spirituality to, uh, you know, my, my counseling work. That is really, really powerful and really incredible. And thank you for helping all of our service members. And also thank you for the service that you obviously provided us because you were in the military as a chaplain. So thank you for that. Thank you for, I I like to say thank you for your service, but at the same time, sometimes I feel like that's not really enough. So I'm just, I just kind of leave it as thank you for all that you do. Perfect. And, and you're more than welcome. I, I'm, I'm honored that, that, you know, so many, um, you know, I, I did serve in the military a very long time ago. Um, and when I came back, um, I had not, I've never been in war um, as, as military. Um, after I left the military, I was a private security. Uh, we guarded high value um, items such as the transfer of uh, nuclear waste from one location to another, uh, typically a maritime in shipping mm-hmm. and uh we i got plenty of conflict um there and but when i came back i found that there was no one who really understood what i had gone through kind of mentally what you know what challenges i had in, mm-hmm. in wrapping my mind and everyone wanted to fix the the societal part but they didn't, I don't think they applied enough recognition to the spiritual side that needed to be fixed first. Right. So, and so I think, you know, I struggled certainly for a a long time after my military. Um, I led down a very dark path of of drugs and high-speed motorcycles and all of those things. Um, I wound up actually being saved, if you will, by uh, a member of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club, who um, locked me in a bedroom and uh, broke me of my heroin habit and then kicked me out of the state, <laughs> told him never come back. And uh, because there, he knew that there were, there were bad, other bad uh, um, resources in that area that I would have gotten right back in the same ball that we had just broken. And so I left um, four months, four months, four months, five months. Five months after I left uh, Arizona, I met the love of my life and married her, or she married me. I don't know how that goes. Um, We've been together now 31 years. um, And so we've put in uh, a lot of time understanding each other. But most importantly, um, she was kind of instrumental in leading me on a path of understanding the influence that spirituality has in our lives. Um, She was absolutely she was the the focal point so 
um, really great stuff. And, and so uh, I've traveled a very long distance to get to where I am, for sure. That's an incredible story. I mean, and it's kind of sad that so many people end up kind of going down that road, especially outside the military, and then they have to kind of try to find their way back if they can find their way back. So I, it's just a really, it's sad that we don't offer more in the way of healing. And Well, and even, even what we do offer, the unfortunate reality is we're offering it from a scientific side. Right. And we forget or we overlook or just ignore, I'm not sure, the, the real answers. The real way of getting solutions is to accept that, you know, the, the universal truth. You, you're a spiritual being and you got to fix that first. Once you can fix that, then everything else will come into play. Wow. That is so awesome. So awesome. You do incredible work. Thank you so much for the work you. that you do. Uh where can people find you and like your podcast? Are you on TikTok? Are you on Twitter, Instagram, all the social platforms? <laughs> I, I save everyone the eyesore of seeing me on TikTok. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't mean to cause any more trauma. So um, mostly it's just audio. Um, I do do a couple of video presentations regarding um uh, you know, very specific points. Typically, they are around uh, some of the rituals that I do do mm -hmm. uh, for for different groups. Um, and uh, but by and large, uh, my website https colon slash slash ak for Alaska Ulf Hefnar, and that's spelled on the web page. It's spelled U L F as in Frank H E D N A R dot com. Um, the podcast is uh, published every weekend, uh, every Sunday morning. I do that on purpose. Um, and it's published on everywhere you can get your podcasts. So Apple, Google, Amazon, you name it, it's there. Um, and those are the best ways to hear the shows. Uh, I also do a daily message on an application called Wisdom. Um, it's available on iOS right now. Uh, Android is due out uh, later this spring, but uh, it's called the Wisdom app, and uh, those are daily messages I do. Um, just to name a few, we're also available on streaming, Pandora, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, uh, for those uh, individuals who stream music and, and their podcasts. Uh, and finally, our our study site which we're actually in the process of still putting together and that is uh, a patreon site mm -hmm. um and it allows for subscriptions but it's it's going to be our study group where i'm going to invite um indigenous shamans and medicine men um and keepers of the faith uh, as well as vadao priestesses um I have two Mongolian shamans that I work with quite frequently. Uh, they'll both be part of a dis great big discussion group where we'll be publishing works of our studies and our understandings and allow people to really get the big picture. And that's, that's the hope. Um, and that Patreon site is uh, https colon slash slash patreon.com forward slash AK Ulf Hefner. So those are all the ways. And then finally, um, just because it's my moment, um, 
the book, um, The Turn to Final, is the book that I am publishing, which talks about, um, it's actually a link between spirituality and science. It talks about the science of, of how spirituality, A, came to be, how we came to understand it, the evolution of, of man. And, and it talks about also the chemistry in the body. We talked a little bit about that, the genetics and the alteration of, of your genes um, by chemical interference one way or another. And talks about all of that. And then hopefully gives you some ideas going forward how you can take that knowledge. And again, I don't condemn any theology in the world. Mm-hmm. I think they're all right, 100%. Um, I have a very strong dislike, and the book points it out, um, for practices. Mm-hmm. For practices where I'm enforcing my beliefs on someone else, which I believe is is not the way we should. We should invite people by giving them knowledge, but allow them to make up their own mind to be their own person be their own person make their own choices and when's that absolutely book due out? that book is due out uh the first week of may the first week of may very very awesome you guys heard it here yes. first um <laughs> i will let you guys know when that book comes out so you guys can definitely go pick up a copy is it available for pre-order right now it, uh, well i'm glad you asked that question if you actually go to that akulfhefner.com site, you'll note that there is a place that uh, we are uh, checking for uh, interest. And so you can pre-order the book, um, $16.99. It'll be available pretty much anywhere you buy a book. Um, And so, uh, like I say, it'll be due out. It's due out May, May of this year. Very awesome. Well, we will keep everybody posted on that. Mark, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining me. This was an incredible conversation. I hope you all learned so much about everything that we talked about. If y'all have questions, you guys know how to get a hold of me. We can always have Mark back to talk more about this stuff and definitely learn more about it. I would definitely be happy. I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to, to demonstrate to all of our listeners, both your listeners and my listeners, the advantage of us coming together in a commonality of understanding that spirituality is spirituality. It causes, if you will, harmony and coexistence, whereas practices create division and segregation. And so we really need to address that and, and embrace our commonality and, and display it for the world to see. It just doesn't matter what we call our deity. Um, the fact that we recognize that a deity is giving us information at which to live our life successfully, productively, that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. That is and very, so, very true. And, and so, you, you know, um, I, I did a, a, another interview with a very good friend of mine uh, this morning, and we, that's what we were talking. He's, he's from a, a native tribe in uh, Saskatchewan. And we were talking about the commonality of just recognizing the spiritual realm and, and embracing it to make us better people and to make us a better society um, is, is critical, particularly at this junction in the world's history and yes. the world's status. It really is. Stop. Stop. I am always reminded and I'll, I'll, I'll leave with this one last thought. I have, a, uh, as I mentioned, some Mongolian shaman who i i communicate with almost daily and he has a favorite saying that i've 
I, and I told them I stole it. So, and, <laughs> yeah. so just so that the copyright violations out. Um, but he says, whenever in life, whenever we seek something, we will find it. You are guaranteed to find what you seek. So if you seek division, segregation, hate, and distrust, you'll find it. It's everywhere. It's, it's around us. It's on the evening news. You will always find it. However, for those individuals who seek peace, harmony, coexistence, and, and more than tolerance, but acceptance of others, you too will find that. It's what you seek. If you seek happiness, you'll find that. So um, it's up to each of us to then seek what we really want. That is probably the absolute most true thing I think I've heard all week. And it's, it's very true. So everyone out there, seek goodness, seek happiness. Absolutely. And just be good to yourselves. Stay safe. It, the world is kind of crazy right now. So be good to yourselves, stay safe and be good to each other because we really need that right now. So yes, again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, take care of yourselves, and I will see you all next week. Bye-bye, everyone.